This episode of the VeloNews Tech Podcast is supported by Shimano Pedaling Dynamics. When Shimano introduced the SPD system in 1990, it was the first clipless pedal and shoe system designed specifically for off-road riding. Shimano's SPD combo delivered on everything mountain bikers needed back then and what riders of all kinds depend on today. In a testament to how good that original SPD design was, it has not fundamentally changed since 1990. SPD pedals have seen many refinements over the years, but the cleat design and interface are the same now as they were back then. 30 years later, SPD is still considered the standard against which all other clipless pedals are judged. Whenever off-bike confidence and on-bike efficiency are a priority, Shimano SPD is the answer. Mountain bikers, road cyclists, commuters, and gravel riders all benefit from SPD's easy entry and exit, stable, efficient pedaling platform, and comfortable, secure connection to the rest of the bike. Shimano SPD, the first and still the best whenever you're riding heads to the dirt. Hello, VeloNews listeners. This is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at VeloNews, coming at you with another VeloNews tech podcast. And today we are talking clothing. Uh, it's, it's getting warm here in Colorado. Uh, it's, it's starting to get into those, those days of summer where you can leave the house and it, you know, it might be 98 degrees out or it, you know, it might be snowing. We don't know. It's, uh, that's July in, in Colorado for you. The weather's kind of unpredictable, but usually it's, it's pretty warm this time of year. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about clothing choices. There's so many more clothing choices these days that, that will keep you cool. And I think in, in the past, a lot of that meant wearing lighter colors. But in recent years, we've seen clothing evolve and even darker colors can actively keep you cool now. And that's due to certain technologies and fabrics. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how uh, clothing, cycling clothing has changed over the years and, and what all these cooling fabrics do and how they work. And so on the line today, I've got uh, Rob Pickles, who is the Advanced Concepts Project Manager at Pearl Izumi. Rob, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thanks for joining me today. Um, you have a lot of words in your title. Uh, can, you, <laughs> can you just really briefly tell us uh, what an Advanced Concepts Project Manager does at Pearl Izumi? Yeah, well, <clears throat> given the number of words, it's it's obviously very, very important. Very important, um, yes. Yeah, very important. <laughs> so uh, I, I have some initials after my name, too, so that makes me even more important. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, my, my job is interesting. My background is in physiology, um, so I have a good understanding of, of how the body works and interacts with the environment. But at Pearl Izumi, I primarily focus on I'll say non-traditional solutions, right? Um, we have people that are absolutely terrific at, at making great jerseys and shorts that fit really well. Um, you know, but we want to be able to bring some science into the equation and to understand um, the why of how things work uh, and to do things that really aren't just say fabric based, but to understand exactly how does color, how does different materials, how does um, the fit of a garment affect uh, how warm or cool somebody is. And, you know, me in my position, I, I have sort of this non-traditional background that I, I never went to school to make apparel. I, I went to school to understand the body and I have a research background. Uh, and so every year we head up to an environmental wind tunnel and I'm able to put some of these theories to the test. And, um, you know, oftentimes they're garbage and they don't work at all. Um, but it, it's good to discover that before we, um, we make a product out of it and, uh, and, and, you know, market it to people. Um, but we want to be able to make sure that what we're doing actually has an effect and that we understand, um, what makes product good and what makes product bad. 
So you actually go to a, a special weather conditions wind tunnel? Is that, that what I just heard from you? Yeah, yeah, we certainly do. Um, it, it was actually made for the automotive industry. Uh, in, in the chamber itself, it, it can really reflect any temperature, any humidity, any wind speed, um, any precipitation. It can rain, it can snow. Um, I don't think they can do lightning. We're not really working on <laughs> lightning suits at this point. Um, you know, but we, we've tested cold weather stuff. We've tested hot weather stuff. Uh, we've tested jacket membranes. Um, there's a great video on the Perlazumi um, blog right now uh, looking at some wool or synthetic that we did. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great way for us to put riders in a controlled environment um, so that when we do swap out apparel, we know exactly what effect it's having as opposed to, say, you know, going outside and, and maybe the conditions change today to tomorrow. Maybe that was the reason this jersey felt better than that jersey. Um, but the real main benefit of this is that it is actually a wind tunnel, which means that we can put, you know, nine riders at once, collect data on all of them, and they're all getting hit with that airflow just like they were riding outside. Um, it's not a small weather chamber that has a, a little fan, you know, like my, my Vornado in the garage right now does, doesn't do enough when I'm riding Zwift, I'll tell you that. Yeah. And, and it doesn't do enough for us doing research. So, um, yeah, this facility has really unlocked a lot of knowledge for us um, or, or allowed us, you know, to make some really good learnings. Mm -hmm. So for those of you listening, what you just heard is that basically Rob uh, sprays riders with a fire hose professionally in a wind tunnel. <laughs> You're, you're, uh, you're the luckiest boy in the industry. <laughs> uh, some would say that. Sometimes yeah. I'm, I'm freezing yeah. standing in this tunnel with these other riders, <laughs> wishing that I was actually riding the bike to generate some to warmth. Warm yeah. um, you know, and uh, people people want to volunteer to be uh, subjects for this, and, um, and it, usually they never come back after. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's it's hard to get repeat subjects yeah. because it's it's miserable for yeah. them to ride for hours and just in in these god awful conditions, yeah. right? Because that's when we really need the apparel to work well. Mm -hmm. If it's seventy degrees and sunny and the butterflies are flying by, anything works great. It, yeah. It's when it's cold and humid or, or just hot and miserable. Right. You know, that's those are the extremes that we're testing. Mm -hmm. um, and and the poor riders that are in there, they uh, they're in. <laughs> for it i'll tell i'll tell you that you're not so. you're not selling me on it i won't be i won't be no. volunteering <laughs> um and anybody that's listening to this i mean it's really fun and oh, it sounds great to volunteer yeah. so, uh, <laughs> sorry that ship has already sailed <laughs> well let's let's start at the beginning rob um you know obviously what what you're assessing here is you're you're solving problems right and so the problems had to have existed before you guys started all this testing what were the problems i mean go back to the days of just straight up lycra um, what what is it about uh, cycling clothing that needed solving? I mean, obviously, some of it could be very hot. Some of it wasn't great in cold weather. What what were you trying to solve by by incorporating new fabrics on top of just straight up lycra or even treatments? Because um, I know some of the stuff is lycra that's just treated with stuff. Yeah, you know. So um, to be kind of specific, right? Lycra is a component in stretchy materials, right? And and I'm gonna. I'm going to play this more simply than maybe some terms we would otherwise use. But, uh, you know, if, if we have a fabric that we want to stretch and, and bounce back, you know, so that you feel that compressive hug of those shorts, mm -hmm. you know, that's where Lycra comes in. And Lycra is actually a brand name um, for an elastane for what it's worth. 
Um, you know, it's interesting that you bring up elastane because uh, it notoriously holds on to water. Um, and, and that fabric, you know, that, that soaks up water, it, it's not evaporating water. And um, the evaporation is really what's going to keep you cool. You have much more ability to cool yourself from evaporation than you do from, say, drinking water or, or anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so these materials, sometimes they pose both positive attributes, right, for fitting good and being compressive, and then some negative attributes as well. They're not helping you stay cool. Um, you know, now we can't necessarily get around using a lycra or an elastane, um, but the other sort of staple fibers that are in there, right, we have a lot of different levers to pull. We can work with the natural side of things and, and say go with cotton or wool, or you can do the synthetics, you know, that's where your, um, your polyester, your nylon, your polypropylene, all of that stuff comes in. And each of them have uh, really different properties, mm-hmm. right? polypropylene was really great for a long time frankly because it didn't hold on to any moisture at all um or you know and this allows it to transfer that moisture to evaporate it to spread it out throughout the garment um and and it was really the fiber everybody used for a long time until they all realized it gets really really stinky (laughs) and uh nobody you know you, you wear it for a dozen times and you just can't get that body odor smell yeah, out, yeah, yeah. you know, and that has to do with the, the nature of that fiber and, and how it holds on to some of the bacteria and the oils from your skin. Um, you know, and so polyester comes along and, and it holds on to a touch more water than uh, polypro does, but, you know, it doesn't have the stink sort of issues, um, you know, and, and so we're at a place right where, you know, these fabrics or these fibers are they're pretty durable. Um, you know, but, but ultimately it's clothing that clothing is, it's really uh, changing the interaction between your body and the environment. Um, you know, we all know you wear a snowsuit, you're going to get hot. Um, cycling Jersey is the same thing, right? It's still insulation. It's still causing a, a dead air space next to your body. And, you know, if we want to keep somebody warm, that's what we do. So, you know, what we're trying to do is is really create clothing that doesn't get in the way of your body, you know, losing this heat to the mm-hmm. environment. The, the environment can hold on to a lot of that heat, so we need to be able to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, a young man, I was in the Boy Scouts, and, and we used to have a saying, cotton kills. Uh, and yeah. So, you know, we, we were big on polypropylene back then, and yes, we were stinky, and, and that's that's okay for, you know— you know, teenage boys. Um, yep. Cotton is an interesting one. So, you know, it's a, it's a natural material, but um, holds a lot of water, uh, you know, moisture, things like that. Has it, has there been, have you been able to incorporate cotton effectively into any of your clothing or is that something you avoid? I mean, I know everybody kind of knows merino wool as, as one of those miracle fabrics that, uh, yeah. you know, that, that moves moisture and, and, and still keeps you warm in the winter when it, even when it's wet. Um, is, does cotton have a place anywhere in your schema of, uh, of clothing? You know, I, I think cotton, cotton's interesting, right? Um, in, in performance apparel, when you are, uh, you know, you're going for it, you're generating a lot of heat, you're generating a lot of sweat. Cotton's probably not the best choice, right? Because you are, um, you are holding on to moisture with that material. Now, you, you put that into some certain situations, and there are people out there that I'm sure right now are saying, but I love cotton, yeah. you know, and in certain situations, it's great, you know, and if it works for you, then, then perfect. Um, you know, if it's hot and it's dry, 
um, you know, then then you're going to be evaporating a lot of that moisture out of the cotton in general, right? And, and so it's probably okay in those situations. If you're in uh, New England or the Pacific Northwest and it's 60 degrees out and you're wearing a cotton shirt, you're going to be miserable because you're going to be uh, so cool because of the moisture that's being retained in that fabric. So, you know, when it comes to high performance stuff, cotton is, is not necessarily a safe bet. There are companies out there that are doing stuff with more performance oriented cotton, um, you know, with a, a blend with, say, polyester uh, or treatments that cause it to dry quicker you know, trying to uh, get more performance out of it. We do see that in our bike style line. Um, so it, it's not our performance. It's not the line that I would race in. Um, but I certainly use our bike style line for just going out and doing a lunch ride, uh, you know, hour long lunch ride in Colorado. Uh, sometimes it's actually nice to be in that more cottony t-shirt. It, it's just a comfortable sort of thing. Um, you know, if I'm going to be climbing up to the peak to peak highway, it might not be what I'm wearing uh, when I'm working that hard. Um, you know, but cotton is, uh, is definitely a comfortable thing. And, um, you know, we are trying to incorporate it in the bike style side, not in the performance side. Okay. So, yeah, I think cotton, you know, really has performance benefits and, or excuse me, comfort benefits. Um, yep. but perhaps on the performance side, not so useful. So, you know, given that Perlazumi does create a lot of performance clothing, um, you know, moving away from polypropylene into other fabrics that were less stinky i mean is that is that primarily polyester like you said or is there are there other materials that that you guys rely on yeah we primarily are using a polyester and nylon um really with you know polyester is probably the ultimate performance uh, at least in the synthetic side of things right now um, because of how little moisture it holds on to, it can be made to stretch, it can be made into different fabric combinations. Um, you know, the thing though is that it doesn't have the durability that something like nylon has. Uh, so in our bottoms, we use a lot of nylon there because there's abrasion from, um, you know, rubbing thighs against the saddle, so on and so forth, that, you know, we want to make sure that we have good durable clothing. Um, that nylon does um, hold on to a, a touch more moisture. Uh, but how we use it typically in our shorts is that there's a nylon outer face that's durable, um, but the inside is actually still polyester. Um, and so that means that it increases one-way moisture transfer from the inside of the garment to the outside of the garment and uh, helps keep you a little bit drier against your skin, which oftentimes feels more comfortable. Mm -hmm. In a minute, I want to talk a little bit about uh, things like cold black and intercool uh, that you use at Prolozumi. But before we get to that, um, I do want to ask you, because we've seen a lot of, um, of garments pop up that are merino wool. Can you talk about why merino wool is good or bad or why, why it is, has uh, basically gotten such a hold in cycling clothing? Yeah, I think merino is a really interesting fiber, right? Um, you know, when we think about merino itself, we have to think about it as, as hairs on the sheep. And the outside of those hairs are actually hydrophobic. They, they don't like water. And so that's sort of where the you know, doesn't retain much moisture comes from. Um, the inside of that hair, though, it will absorb water moisture vapor. Um, and so not water droplets, but the water gas form, um, which means it's really, really good at regulating humidity against your skin. Um, you know, when you're sweating and you're evaporating this water moisture into a vapor, then it can get sucked up by this merino fabric on the inside. Um, which means it doesn't have any wetness against your skin. 
Um, conversely, if you're going to cool down or you're going to a drier situation, uh, it will release some of that moisture back into the fabric, back toward your skin. Um, and, and oftentimes that can be really comfortable. Um, it does also have a, an okay amount of, of moisture spreading, um, you know, in all honesty, not to the level of a, a synthetic. Um, but again, this is where we're trying to leverage this with, say, our base layers, um, which have polyester against the skin and merino on the outside, uh, because then we're able to have good one-way moisture transfer off the skin through the garment, good spreading, and really leverage the power of both of those materials, um, you know, to be as effective as possible. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like uh, moisture management is the key. I mean, we already knew, you know, you've been on the podcast before and we talked about cold weather riding and we knew that a lot of, a lot of staying warm in the wintertime is about moisture management, which is, you know, why a lot of people like that merino wool. It sounds to me from what I'm hearing from you that uh, a lot of staying cool also revolves around moisture management. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I think it's both staying cool and staying comfortable. Uh -huh. um, nobody likes to be wet, right? So right. the drier we can keep somebody, typically the better. Uh -huh. um, but because so much of your cooling comes from the evaporation of moisture, then then yeah, it definitely comes down to moisture management. Um, you know, let's say we, uh, you know, we're we're sweating a lot just in your chest, you know, and uh, moisture is pooling up there on your jersey. Um, you know, it doesn't have the surface area to really evaporate very effectively from. And it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you have a, a narrow, deep cup of water, um, it's going to evaporate less fast than if you put that water into a sheet pan. And now there's a lot of surface area from which to evaporate. Um, so that's why we're looking to spread moisture out in fabric. Um, because then we're increasing the rate of evaporation. Mm -hmm. You increase the rate of evaporation, you remove more heat, you remove more heat, then you stay cooler, you stay cooler, you sweat less, you sweat less, you drink less, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. Hashtag science. Hashtag science. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, when we come back, Rob, let's, uh, let's dive into Intercool and Cold Black. Uh, but for the moment, let's just take a quick breather, and we'll be right back. This episode of the Velo News Tech Podcast is supported by Shimano SPD Pedals and Shoes. When Shimano introduced the SPD system in 1990, it was the first clipless pedal and shoe system designed specifically for off-road riding. Shimano's SPD combo delivered on everything mountain bikers needed back then and what riders of all kinds depend on today. Shimano SPD pedals offer durable performance with easy entry and exit, great mud shedding, a stable, efficient platform, and a comfortable, secure connection to your bike. Shimano SPD, the first and still the best pedal system whenever you're riding heads to the dirt. Okay, Rob, we are back and uh, we're going to talk specific materials and treatments that uh, Perlazumi uses. But before we do that, uh, let's talk a little bit about some terms that people are very likely to see uh, around the bike industry regarding clothing. Um, you, you at Perlazumi, you guys have your own uh, specific things that you do, but there's, there's broader terms as well. Um, can you kind of give me a rundown? The one we see often is, is cold black. And we also see on, on Pearl Izumi, uh, intercool, and there's a couple different kinds of intercool. Can you just sort of give us, run us through the differences of all those terms? Yeah. Um, with our intercool, we use two main forms of, of cooling treatment, so to say. Um, the first is infrared reflective intercool. Um, and that is powered by the cold black technology. 
And essentially what this is, is the sun uh, casts down some very hot rays on you. You can certainly feel them. Stick your hand outside in Colorado. <laughs> um, and this technology actually reflects the sun's heating rays away from the garment. Um, the second one that we use at Perlazumi is a sweat-activated intercool. And this is a treatment that actually alters how quickly a fabric evaporates moisture. Um, and so when you're cool or the outside conditions are cool, it, it slows down that evaporation that we talked about before the break, which helps keep you a little bit warmer and more comfortable. Um, but as you and the fabric get hot, uh, it increases evaporation and, and causes a more of a cooling effect that way. So there's there's essentially two ways that Perlazumi seems to be tackling the the heat proposition here, and that's through reflection and through evaporation. Um, can we break those two down even further? And let's let's start with the reflective uh, intercool. How does that work? I mean, you've got your fabrics. Um, what is what exactly does the treatment do? How does it reflect the sunlight to keep it all away from your your skin essentially? Yeah, certainly. You know, this this is um, we're trying to. Uh, is sort of affect the garments on on the multiple factors right that lead to riders being hot and you know this the sun itself is a major source of heat um you know up to uh, you know they say a thousand watts per meter squared um typically on a clear day at sea level um to put that into perspective that's the same amount of heat a rider would be producing if they were riding it at say 290, 300 watts. Uh, and we all know we get we get pretty hot when we're riding that hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, for me that's like four or five hours of, of riding. You know, so um, you know it's a it's a hot endeavor. Uh, just kidding. Um, you know, but <laughs> you know it's uh you know it, it's significant. Um, and so anything that we can do to block those sun's rays and keep it off of the rider's skin. Um, is is what we're doing to help keep that rider cool. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, the infrared reflective uh, inner cool is, is essentially a ceramic treatment um, that's added to the fabric. And those little ceramic particles act like little mirrors uh, and they prevent that fabric from heating up. Um, as they prevent the fabric from heating up, they're preventing that um, transfer of energy through the fabric from the sun to your skin. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that's really beneficial about this, especially, you know, in this day and age, is um, it's blocking UVA and UVB. Uh, and so we're having a great protection, um, you know, against uh, skin cancer, sunburn, so on and so forth mm -hmm. is, is added to that as well. So, um, you know, and I believe it's uh, about 80% reflectance. Um, and so if we, uh, you know, if we take this rider that's out riding and we reflect about 80% of that, um, sun that's being heated up, you know, then that's equivalent to, you know, 12 ounces of sweat, uh, or, you know, a small water bottle per hour, um, in terms of heat, uh, just from the sun alone. Um, you know, and so we're talking pretty significant amounts of heat, uh, that's being kept out of that fabric. Mm -hmm. I have, I had like. 10 different questions pop at me at once while you were talking and I gotta like, I gotta pick one. Um, so, uh, first of all, you know, we often hear about UVA and UVB and I think not, not all of us really, I mean, I certainly don't know the specific, uh, we know they're bad. Uh, we, we don't really know why, uh, in most cases, yeah. what is UVA? What is UVB? Why are they bad? And, and, uh, why is it beneficial that the, the ceramic blocks these, uh, you, these rays? Yeah, well, I mean, basically, they're they're light, right? And we can see the visible spectrum 
um, but we can't see heat. That would be infrared light. It's on the longer wavelength. And we can't see ultraviolet light, which is where the UV comes from, at UV A and B. Um, but basically, these are different wavelengths of light that penetrate into your skin. Um, and they can disrupt DNA. Uh, that's sort of where the skin cancer side of things come from. Um, but the penetration and the energy from those light waves cause sunburns. Uh, and so the, this ceramic particle works just like it does with the visible light and infrared light in terms of reflectance. Um, and so when, um, you know, the UV light is trying to penetrate through the fabric instead of penetrating through, uh, it's it's hitting this uh, ceramic particle and being bounced back into the uh, into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So now the other question I had was um, we've I've seen other brands, not Perlazumi, uh tout that ceramic uh, applications like this can also increase the durability of the short. Is that true or is that correct? Um, I will say, yeah, there are ceramic uh, treatments. They tend to be thicker in surface treatments. Um, and that does uh, increase abrasion resistance. Um, this particular cold black does not necessarily affect that. It's it's not enough ceramic, uh, you know, to be able to cause cause that change, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, and how about after? I mean, after time, will this coating uh, wear off? In like, you know, if I wash my shorts uh, over the course of two seasons or something. Yeah, fortunately, you know, the technologies that we use are, are essentially permanent um, where there's really no significant loss in performance, um, you know, after 40 or more washes. Uh, and so um, that constitutes a, a good amount of riding. Mm-hmm. OK, so now the the infrared reflective intercool is sort of dealing with the the external factor of sunlight. Let's talk about uh, the sweat activated intercool, which is addressing the, the more internal side of things, the, the, yeah. the way we're, you know, we're sweating and we have to move that moisture away. Explain to me the sweat activated intercool in, in a few you know, dumb it down for me and speak slowly. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, if we, um, you know, we, we have an external technology like the infrared, right. And, and that's working on say jerseys and shorts. Um, you know, but that doesn't affect say a base layer that doesn't have as much sunlight shining through to it. And, uh, it, it certainly doesn't help somebody who's riding the trainer, you know, um, getting their Zwift miles in. So, you know, we wanted a technology that was able to work in these situations, and that's where the sweat-activated uh, intercool comes in. And, you know, this is, it's actually, it's, it's remarkably effective. Um, I've, I've almost been astonished with how much cooler this fabric feels when it's working. But, you know, basically this, uh, this treatment, it's a phase change treatment, um, which is pretty interesting. And um, as it warms up, it it changes phase of the material from more of a liquid type to more of a solid type. And the solid, uh, when the material itself changes to a solid, then it holds on to less moisture and it causes, um, you know, that drop in affinity for water causes a much faster evaporation rate. You know, when it um, changes back toward a liquid because it's a, um, you know, cooler situation, then it wants to hold on to a touch more moisture. And uh, at that point, that moisture is not able to evaporate and it's not able to cool you down. And so, you know, that's the real sort of simple mechanism of how this works, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, it ultimately what's most important is that it works in concert with things like cold black, um, that they're not mutually exclusive. And these are actually causing 
you know, no measurable changes. Um, you know, there are other treatments out there that are actually sugar alcohol based, um, you know, based off of, say, the xylitol compound. This is the same stuff that's added to mint flavoring, um, you know, in your mint gum uh, so that you get that cool rush uh, when you put a mint piece of gum in your mouth. That's that's exactly um, the same treatment that some other brands are using in their apparel. Um, you know, and that initially feels cool, but it doesn't have much ability to actually remove heat from the rider. It's just sort of a cool feeling. Um, and perception is a very very powerful thing the york peppermint patty sensation yeah it it is um (laughs) and and, um you know maybe an experiment is that we need to rub some york peppermint patties uh (laughs) you know all over our jersey to see if that helps i'll Um, volunteer for that one rob i'm on on board with that one (laughs) keep me out Um, of the wind tunnel but i'll I'll do the york peppermint patty study (laughs) right um yeah, but, you know, the treatments that we've chosen to move forward with are, are actually lowering temperatures for sustainable amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Things like cold black um, or the infrared reflective intercool that we use, they, they work continuously for the life of the garment, for the life of the ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, hour two into the ride, it's still helping you as much as it was in, in minute two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing with the sweat-activated intercool that we have. Um, you know, and so those xylitol treatments... You know, they might initially feel cool when they get saturated with sweat, but once it's saturated, then then that chemical reaction doesn't happen anymore, uh, and you lose that cooling power. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're making good choices that are that are helping consumers and riders out there. So, you know, I have a a surly mountain biker friend. Uh, I have a lot of surly mountain biker friends. I'm kind of a surly mountain biker myself, but uh, he always likes to say the solution is never more clothing. Uh, and you know, usually he's referring to being hot. Now I'm wondering now, as you mentioned just now, base layers, um, is it, is it actually possible given that you have this sweat activated intercool technology to use a base layer base layer to actually keep cooler by, so essentially you're adding clothing and yet you're, you're getting cooler. Is that correct? It's a good question. Um, you know, maybe the next time we're in the wind tunnel, we'll try that. What I will say is that I have not tested um, that treatment in that way mm-hmm. on base layers in concert with other garments. Um, what I have tested is that treatment versus no treatment, in which case, yes, the treatment works. I've also tested base layers versus no base layers, in which case no base layers is typically cooler. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and so at this point, I'm going to agree that more clothing is never the solution, um, you know, with caveats, of course, you know, on on the hottest days, um, then, yeah, you don't want a base layer. You don't want anything that's creating dead air spaces. Um, but base layers, they don't add that much more insulation. And on a day that maybe starts out cool um, and finishes hot. Uh, then maybe a base layer is a great way to stay warm enough in the morning without staying too hot in the afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's certainly that. You know, the materials that we're using now for jerseys, you know, they're great at spreading moisture, just like base layers are great at spreading moisture. And, and I think back in the day, people would wear a base layer to help spread that moisture even more because the jersey material wasn't so good at it. Uh, I don't think that that need is necessarily there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, this is like a personal itch I need to scratch. Um, and I don't even know if this is still a thing people do, but I, it used to bug me so much when people would wear sun sleeves 
Um, <laughs> can you explain the concept behind sun sleeves and, and do they actually work? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I'm glad that you went there because I meant to. Um, you know, a, a sun sleeve is is essentially an arm warmer, right? Um, but it's a much thinner arm warmer, typically made out of a jersey like material. Um, you know, and do they work? It's a relative question, right? Um, I'm a very fair skinned individual. Um, and for me, sun sleeves are great. So I don't have to reapply, um, sunscreen over the course of a long ride. I, I think that they're terrific for that. Um, if somebody is riding, uh, at relatively low intensity for a long time, um, then a, a sun sleeve with, you know, say a, a cold black or an infrared reflective treatment, um, might actually help keep you cooler because in that case, you're not producing a lot of heat yourself, which means a little bit of extra insulation um, is potentially okay, is negligible compared to all of the sun that's being blocked by the sun sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for myself, when I did a you know Belgian waffle ride two years ago, I wore sun sleeves for, for most of that um, until it was just the absolute hottest part of the day, and, and I finally took them off at that point. Um, and I do think that they, in some regard, helped keep me cooler uh, er, during the warm parts um, and warmer during the cool start. Um, but when it was roasting and I was going slow and I was climbing in a lot of heat, then it did feel good to, to take those off. Um, I have tested sun sleeves out of the same material that we made our Pro Air jersey out of, which is a very thin um, stretch woven. It's the same material that's used for the yellow jersey in the Tour de France. Um, and it, it negligibly increased, uh, how warm somebody felt based on their feedback, um, you know, basically to a non-statistical significant amount. And so, uh, in the right conditions, uh, moving fast at low to moderate workloads, sun sleeves are potentially worthwhile, um, going slow, working really hard on, on climbs or whatnot. You probably want to take the sun sleeves off and, um, you know, let your arm just directly cool itself to the environment. Gotcha. Uh, what are we forgetting about, about cooling? Is there anything else we, that's important for the audience to know about uh, fabrics and when they're choo- specifically when they're choosing jerseys um, and, and shorts specifically to keep them cool? Yeah, you know, I think that um, we need to understand sort of the layering situation. And, and I'm not talking base layers. I'm talking bib straps, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we have switched our bibs to have more of an open back because that's one less layer that you have between your skin and your jersey and the environment and everything else. And it makes a really noticeable difference. Um, you know, the, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, how something fits, uh, you know, in the airflow that goes through it. Sometimes the most skin tight is not the coolest jersey that's out there you know and and this is why opening up uh the front of the jersey or wearing something that's mesh this is allowing more airflow to directly touch your skin um and what that does is it increases the evaporative efficiency um if we're evaporating directly off of our skin then we're getting all of that heat loss as we start moving that evaporation further from the skin, then we lose the efficiency, meaning not as much heat is being taken from the skin itself or cooling the body. Um, you know, that's another case against wearing a base layer on really hot days because, you know, then you're you're evaporating not from the surface of your skin, but really from two layers away. And, and that does make a difference. Um, you know, different environments, in my opinion, 
uh, fare better with different materials. You go to a hot and humid place, and, and I think meshes um, are going to do better because they're evaporating more from the skin. And that's a very difficult environment to evaporate in, right? Because uh, the moisture vapor pressure is a lot higher in the environment, so you're not evaporating as quickly. Um, you come to Colorado, and um, you know a regular knit can do almost as well as a mesh can, just because it's so dry here, and uh, you're able to evaporate moisture, you know, readily at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Rob, thanks for uh, explaining all the the hard sciencey stuff that I certainly couldn't do myself. And uh, you know, if any of you out there want to volunteer to let uh, Rob spray you in the face with a fire hose in the wind tunnel, please do reach out. We'll we'll happily accommodate. <laughs> Uh, Rob, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. It was great. And for those of you listening, if you have questions about this podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Velo News atmosphere, please do feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me on Instagram or Twitter at BrownTieDan. You can also email me, dcavallari at velonews.com. And of course, if you have suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on the Velo News Tech Podcast, I am always happy to hear it. I love it when you guys do my work for me. Uh, Rob, thank you again. And for those of you listening, thank you for spending some time with us today. And we will catch you next time.